Welcome to the new 24-Minute Bible Podcast, where each week we seek to understand the practical truths of the Bible and how they can change our lives. And now, here's your podcast host, Pastor Mark Miner. Well, hello everyone. I am so very glad that you have tuned in today to the 24-Minute Bible Podcast to share with me uh, some very precious time, your very precious time. And believe me, I truly appreciate uh, the fact that you found this podcast, that you've shared this podcast. Maybe somebody turned it on, turned you on to it. Or maybe you're part of our church family or uh, some part of the ministry that I've been privileged to be a part of. My name is Mark Miner, and uh, I'm just honored to, uh, to share some things with you. And I'm really impassionate about the Word that's why it's a 24-minute Bible. I seek to keep it under 24 minutes. Don't always achieve that. Uh, but certainly, I want to take a short time uh, just to share my passion and hopefully to communicate to you uh, from God some good things that will bless you and help you in your walk of faith, wherever you may be, even if you're not in faith yet and you're just checking out this Bible thing and the Christianity thing. I want to encourage you just to listen and uh, <clears throat> Again, you may not agree with everything, but but we're all on a journey, and that's what I want to welcome you to, and I'm, I'm honored to be a part of that. Uh, today, I'm going to begin, this is episode 132, uh, and if you haven't been aware of some of the past episodes, we've uh, I, one of the passions and desires of my heart was just to familiarize people with the Word. So you can go back on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on right now. Uh, you can go back and, and view, and actually in a sequence, sort of way, walk through the Bible, and I've taken all 66 books of the Bible and just broken them into individual podcasts that uh, might help you to understand in a simple, uh, tangible, dot-to-dot uh, uh, -dot sort of way, if you will, connected sort of way, how God flows from the book of Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation. It's not just a hodgepodge of books that were thrown together by a bunch of shepherds over in the Middle East. It is the heart and mind and spirit of God flowing through this anointed, supernaturally given, and supernaturally protected book that we still have. It's still the bestseller uh, in the world, and it's still impacting the culture all around the world. Uh, this book called the Bible. So anyway, thank you for being a part of it. As I said, today's episode 132. If you're looking at the video or the picture, you may see that it now has a blue screen instead of a green screen. That may not mean anything to you, but for some it will. And that just simply uh, symbolizes a change, a little pivot of direction. Uh, I'm going to go from uh, just talking about the individual books of the Bible and some of the themes of it to, to really more of a, a practical advice format. There are some things that we're going to talk about, share. I'm going to be a little more um, teaching from my point of view, uh, some experiences in my life. Certainly, I'll share experiences of other people, but uh, I, for some subjects that are difficult or that are important. And so uh, today, we're going to be looking at a lifestyle of prayer, some insights into a lifestyle in prayer. Maybe you struggle with prayer. Maybe you've never prayed before, or maybe it just didn't seem that it was very effective. Uh, certainly, maybe you've prayed, listened to some prayers. Maybe you've memorized a few uh, through the years. But uh, uh, today, we're just going to talk about the whole essence of why prayer is so vitally important. It is breath to the Christian. 
And so to breathe, to live, to exist in faith means to pray. So it's certainly so very important uh, to learn how to do that. So welcome on this journey. As I said today, uh, we're going to be talking about prayer. So many other subjects we're going to get into and and, uh, topics as we go through. But thank you for uh, listening. And I hope you have fun. I I, I don't like to do much uh, that isn't fun. I'm going to make work fun. I'm going to find a way to the deepest, darkest situations to find some way to bring joy or understanding or insight into it. And so uh, hopefully this will be a fun and exciting time for you. A little story. I like to start off with stories from my life or somebody else's life, but this was mine. We had a gentleman in our church that had purchased and and ran an entrepreneur and he ran a business. It's called Bethel Grain. And one of the things he did was to buy grain from the farmers. Uh, They would bring it in and all kinds of semi-trucks. Uh, to his uh, mill, to his place where he made different products. And he invited me one day uh, to come to a a, a, a lecture, a seminar about corn. I thought, okay, well, uh, you know, and this gentleman sold uh, his product. One of the things that was his vision as as a Christian entrepreneur, he took the corn and he made it into something that was digestible and palatable and shippable. And they shipped it, basically the United States government bought it, and it was shipped all over the world to third world countries, uh, all over Africa, Asia, particularly South America. And uh, those, and his, so this product coming out of his plant would go to feed literally hungry children all, children all around the world. So very exciting to me. And so he invited me to this seminar where he brought someone in to lecture about corn. Well, I, I thought I knew a little about corn, and of course, when I got there, I found out how very little I knew about this kernel of corn. The speaker began to share about all the different parts and the products that can be made from a hum, humble kernel of corn. He spoke about the husk and the endosperm and the germ. Uh, he spoke about the hundreds of ways it impacts human lives. Uh, not just uh, in, in, in the ways that we would think, but from glues to cosmetics to insecticides to explosives, to inks, uh, fireworks, textiles, lubrication, soaps, shoe polish, and oh yeah, you can eat corn as well. So it was an amazing thing, but <clears throat> excuse me, I realized that I really knew nothing <clears throat> about a piece of corn. Well, I come to that approach with prayer as well. I've been a Christian for many years. I've been in church many years, heard hundreds of prayers, thousands of prayers perhaps, hopefully pray that many myself. Uh, But I realize the more I go in this walk and the more I hopefully, as you move toward a walk of faith, you will find out that the more you know about prayer, the, the less we really know because it just increases in what it is and what it means. Now, we may know a little something. We may know a memorized prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep or rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, yay God. I mean, whatever it is your prayer may be, uh, you may say a casual amen from time to time uh, if something you agree about, but prayer is a mystery. It really is an amazing thing. And, and so through this, uh, these, these minutes together today, I want to change the paradigm hopefully a little bit and just give you some pictures. The way I understand most concepts in my mind is I get a picture in my mind. And so maybe this will help you to visualize this very mysterious but absolutely vital issue of prayer. I think of prayer as WD-40. 
you know, that little blue can that you squirt where there's rust or where there's joints that won't move, things that won't move. Well, prayer lubricates things. I've seen that when I pray, I don't understand how it works, but things begin to move. There's, there's locked situations that opened up. There's, there's movement in, in spiritual ways, in physical ways, in relational ways. So I think of prayer, and I've, I've found this through the years. The more I pray, uh, the more things seem to move in a positive sort of way. I also think of prayer as veggies on my plate. Now, I may not like the broccoli or the peas or the Brussels sprouts, or something like that. But I also know that there's such value in, in consuming those things. And I find that if I eat my veggies, I really develop more of a taste for them. In fact, I, I really like Brussels sprouts now. I enjoy them. I actually purchase them on purpose. Well, it's kind of that way with prayer. It's, it's sometimes seen as boring and dull and just something you do, a religious sort of a mandate. But it's not that at all. Prayer is life. It's, it's discussion. And so uh, as we talk about prayer today, my goal is to take some of the mystery out of prayer and maybe to help you with the practice of prayer. I'm going to give you a little advice, again, some pictures. Uh, but I just want to encourage you as we take this journey of faith, not only through the Bible, this is a 24-minute Bible podcast, uh, but also in the Bible, understanding that f what flows from it is this impetus, this, this uh, uh, desire uh, as we read God's Word uh, to pray. In fact, I think of the Bible and prayer as sort of like eating and drinking. You eat a little bit of the bread, the Word, the, the written Word, and then you take a drink. In other words, you pray a little bit. And that's the conversation that goes on as you develop a prayer life or a devotional life. So uh, we're, talking, we're talking about prayer. We certainly know, uh, it goes without saying, that we are supposed to pray. Jesus modeled prayer, and not only prayer, he modeled praying as he did it so very much. Uh, his very first words are uh, my, uh, talking about his father's house as a house of prayer. Uh, and, of course, he turned over the money changers' tables for what they had done to this place of prayer. Prayer was so vitally important to Jesus. He not only modeled prayer uh, and praying, but he taught prayer. He gave the disciples uh, the prayer when they asked. We know it as uh, <clears throat> the Lord's Prayer, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Uh, that came because the disciples saw Jesus praying, and they wanted a prayer for themselves. So he, he taught prayer in so many ways. Jesus encouraged prayer, of course, and he prioritized prayer. Paul did the same thing all through his writings of the New Testament, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, which we'll look at in the close here in just a moment. But a very simple verse, if you want to memorize some scripture, this would be a great verse. It's two words, pray continually. Or if you use the King James Version, three words, pray without ceasing. That's 1 Thessalonians 5.17. You just memorize a verse, but listen to what it said. Pray continually. James, the half-brother of Jesus who writes the book of James, tells us to pray for one another that we may be healed. So we're encouraged to not only pray for ourselves, but to pray for other people and situations, things that are going on in our life. Then the book of Revelation really gives us a, a beautiful picture in our mind of prayer. Three times 
It talks about in the early parts, the early book, uh, chapters of the book of Revelation, that our prayers are known in heaven. In fact, it talks about a bowl that contains your prayers. Think of your prayers, if you will, as, as a little bit of water that maybe with a, a, a thimble or with some kind of little cup or container. Every time we pray, we're, we're emptying words, prayers, into a bowl, literally, I take it, in heaven. I believe that all of our prayers, our words that we sit, uh, address toward the Heavenly Father are kept. We're going to uh, be able to recite them or recall them someday uh, in, in heaven. But the important thing about those prayers is that they are like fuel. Uh, and the prayers that we offer up are, are like gasoline in the tanks of the angels who are doing spiritual warfare for us. Not only that, when we pray for certain things, it gives God prerogative I understand God can do anything, but when we ask with specificity for certain things, we have not because we ask not, one of the verses says, and, and so we need to ask for specific things. I heard one time we need to pray retail, not wholesale. A prayer like, God bless me, really is a pretty vague prayer. How can you define that? But when you pray, God, I need $175 for the electric bill, now that's specific. Or God, I pray for my child, for this relationship to, to go well, or for this job situation to happen. I'm praying for so-and-so's marriage. I'm praying for this health issue that I just got a diagnosis on. Those are specific prayers. And the Bible tells us to pray uh, in, in a specific sort of way. Our prayers also, according to the book of Revelation, are like incense. Incense is a fragrant sort of thing, and, and, and it burns. It has a life to it. We're supposed to stir it. In the, old temple, in the Old Testament, the tabernacle, the job of the priest was to keep the incense stirred. And so as I pray, I fill the atmosphere with a heavenly fragrance that is empowering and pleasing to God. And so as you pray, heaven literally hears and is moved and is empowered by your prayer life. So we come to the question today, how, how do we pray? Well, everybody is going to find their own way to pray. I'm going to give you some thoughts from my experience. That doesn't mean this needs to be yours, but, but hopefully uh, this will help you to get some, some specific and intentional and purposeful uh, understanding on, on how to do this mysterious and yet... Uh, very, very vital issue and concept and action called prayer. Corey Ten Boone, who wrote a book called The Hiding Place, you might have, there was a movie made of it uh, many, many years ago, but uh, <clears throat> she hid uh, Jewish prisoners or Jewish escapees in her home during World War II. She ultimately was captured and sent to a concentration camp, survived. Her sister, by the way, did not. Uh, but she wrote a book about that experience, and certainly prayer kept her alive and doing what she did uh, in her life. She, this is a quote from her. Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Is prayer your steering wheel? In other words, is that what guides you and, and you are, it's out front and it's deciding and defining direction for you? 
or is it your spare tire? Love that quote. In other words, only when you have a flat and you're broke down and busted on the side of the road do you say, oh yeah, there's God and I can pray to him. Well, I want to encourage you as Corrie ten Boom did to make prayer your steering wheel and not your spare tire. So let's look at four practical sort of ideas concerning prayer. Number one, the most important thing about prayer is just to try. Just, just do it, as Nike says. Just do it. It's not how good you are. It's not how eloquent you are. In fact, Jesus preached against eloquent prayers. Not that we shouldn't be specific and, and elaborate in things, but if we're just doing it to impress men, I've been in churches before where there were long, lofty prayers that were, I couldn't wait for them to get over. Give me a break. This is too long. There's words that I don't understand. And I don't even feel like you're talking to God. I feel like you're talking to the congregation, trying to impress them. No more. Prayer is simply, it is our breath, as I've said many times. It's a given, there's a give and take to prayer. So just try it. It's not how loud you are. I've heard, heard people, when they're praying at the altar, they get really loud. Now, it's okay if you're excited or if you're desperate. But, but the volume, God's not deaf. Your volume doesn't really impress God. He hears the still, small whisper of a child as much as he hears the loud proclamations of some wild-eyed evangelist. So uh, it's not about volume, and it's not even about the number of words. The thief on the cross entered into heaven because of a very simple prayer. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That simple prayer made the difference between a life apart from heaven and a life in heaven. So prayer can be very simplistic in its demeanor, although it is powerful, mysterious, and life-changing in its ultimate results. So number one, again, just try it. Find a way. I remember when I first fell in love. I saw this beautiful girl, and, and I was going to find a way to, to communicate with her. I, I, she was, I, wanted to, I wanted to have a relationship with her, and that's really what prayer is. It's a relationship. She happened to drive a 65 Mustang, so I would talk to her a little bit about her car. Oh, that's a really nice car you got. I'd love to get in it with you sometime. And, uh, I, she played flute in the band, and I was in the band. I played the drums, so I would talk to her a little bit about something we were playing or about her instrument. Uh, she was a farmer's daughter, and so I tried to impress her with my knowledge of, about cows and pigs and uh, bacon and things like that. I didn't care. I was just in love, and I wanted the relationship, and that's really what prayer is. It, it is our uh, growing relationship with God. So find a way. I talk to God all the time. I, I, I get up in the morning, and, and the first thing I do is I, I look out in the sunshine. You know, Father, thank you for the sun today. Now, he knows, about, he knows I'm appreciative, but, but it's just it's a, a beginning of a, a step toward a lifestyle of prayer, and that's really the goal for your life. I, I, I thank God for my kids. In fact, I pray for my children every morning. I have five children, and now a lot of they've had children, so I've got grandchildren. And, and uh, I, I pray for them specifically. Uh, each day. I call them out by name because I want God to know. I think there's, again, something important by praying for people uh, by name because it records it in heaven. 
in a very real and specific sort of way. Uh, uh, you know, you can pray about a lot of things. You can pray about your job. You can pray about health. Uh, you could, my, my car was recently stolen and it came back. It was only gone for about an hour and a half and the police found it. Thank you very much. And they got it back. But I'm so thankful now for my car. Every time I get in it, I really like my car and, and, and it, it came back to me. Now it's like, I really appreciate this vehicle. It's got 140,000 on it, but I don't care. I, I'm thankful. So, so many different ways to pray. Just do it. Try it. Just start talking to God, which is a second point that I want to swerve into now. Uh, prayer is not a monologue. It's not a 30-minute soliloquy or speech that you read or you offer up to God as some sort of offering. Uh, God, he's not looking for speeches. He's got all those in Washington, D.C. and all the politicians and so many other people. It's not about speech. It's about communication. It's a discussion. If you have a, a smartphone, you, you probably text. Uh, and I appreciate texting. And, and one of the things that, that uh, about our, our cell phones and our smartphones is that they're always on. Uh, J Steve Jobs, when he created the iPhone, one of the things he commanded his engineers to do uh, he said, I don't, I don't want an off button on it. It always needs to be on. And Steve Jobs was right. And that's the truth with prayer. Your cell phone is always on. And so you can anytime, some of you sleep with your phone. Uh, and if it rings in the middle of the night or there's a ding because there's a text that come through or, or there's some kind of ESPN update, all of a sudden you're in connected. You, you check it. Uh, that's because it's always on. And that's the way that prayer is. It's an ongoing conversation. It's back and forth. I mentioned texting, and, and I, I, I talked to a young man one day in our church, and he, he was in love with his girlfriend. And so I asked him, how many times have you texted her today? Uh, and it's, this was before noon, and they'd already texted 80-some times, he counted. So that was an ongoing discussion in the five hours that they had leading up to that morning. Well, that's the way God wants it with us. It's a back and forth. I talk to God about all kinds of things. Where should I go? Uh, should I buy this? Should uh, I <clears throat> eat here? Uh, is there somebody I should visit? Is there somebody I should text or call? Uh, and, and he answers because I, I wait for him to respond uh, to that text or that ongoing discussion. So think of prayer in that form. Think of it as your cell phone. Uh, it's uh, th 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says that we are to pray without ceasing or pray uh, continually. I just quoted or gave you that verse earlier. And, and the word literally means to pray uninterruptedly or stretched outedly. So God doesn't want 20 minutes or 10 minutes or 5 minutes of your time in the morning or the afternoon and evening. He wants an ongoing discussion. He wants to be more in touch with you than whoever it is that you text the most on your cell phone. It's a discussion. Hope that makes sense to you. The third thing here, write some things down. Written prayers are really important. And, in, and it doesn't matter that, again, the eloquence of it is not important. But write some things down that are specifics and even date them. I have journals that I've, through the decades that I have, and I go back from time to time. And I'm just amazed at the prayers that have been answered, the people's lives that have been changed, the specific things that have taken place. You'll begin to see answers when you write down in a prayer journal or in a, a notebook or some form uh, 
something that will remind you so that you can go back. You'll also see patterns. Prayer is not just about help me God, help me God, help me God. Prayer is adoration. Thank you, Lord. You're glorious. You're amazing. You're wonderful. Thank you for that sunset. Thank you for the beauty of today. Thank you for my health. Thank you for that lovely wife or husband or children or grandchildren. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's adoration. There are petitions. I need this. I need that. That's part of it. There's also intercession. I pray for people all the time. People ask me to pray for them and I'm going to. I am going to in person with them. I'm going to when I'm alone in my prayer time. So uh, that's, that's called intercession. And then there's prayers of repentance. I found in marriage that the best thing to do when you mess up is to very quickly say, I'm sorry. Honey, I'm sorry I said those words. Or I'm sorry that I, did, I forgot to take out the trash. Or I didn't do what you had asked me to do. I'm sorry. Well, that's an ongoing relationship with the Lord, too. When we fail, when we sin, when we uh, <clears throat> don't live up to his standards or even our standards, just repent and say, I'm sorry. That's just part of life and the ongoing discussion. Uh, you can see those patterns as you write things down. It gives you focus. Our minds are all over the place, haphazard. But writing down some things gives us focus uh, for our praying in our life. Number four, lastly here, <clears throat> find a time and a place. Now I'm going to tell you, and I already did, that, that it's an ongoing thing uh, throughout the course of the day. But it is important to have a time and a place where you just set aside for a few moments and, and, and just meet with God where there are no distractions. Jesus did that in the morning. Mark 135, it says, Very early in the morning, before sunrise, Jesus got up, went out into the wilderness and prayed. He had a time and a place. Now, I'm not telling you you've got to have a prayer room or a war room set aside. That's a great concept, a great thing. Uh, but wherever it may be that you can find some time alone, uh, I don't mean to freak you out or gross you out here, but I spend a lot of time praying in the shower every morning. That's where I pray specifically for my wife, for my children, for my grandchildren. I'm praying for spouses for my grandchildren right now, specifically for God to bring someone into their life that's going to uh, make them uh, complete in their marital situation. I'm praying for other needs, but I, I, that, that 10, 15 minutes in the shower is not just to get clean physically. It's for me a time of just meeting with God. I like to pray on the lawnmower. You know, you're alone there. And you get out there, maybe you've got your headset going, maybe you don't. But as you're driving, uh, doing that, that very basic sort of mundane process, it's a good time you're alone and you can pray. I like to drive alone. I like to be alone in my car and I spend a lot of time praying, talking to God back and forth, listening. Some of the most profound moments I've ever had with God were in my car where I asked God for a, a specific request one time I asked him, Lord, show me something profound, something that I can't understand. I, you know, I want to expand my thinking, my mind. Show me something profound. And God spoke to me as clearly as I've ever heard anything before. It wasn't an audible voice to my knowledge, but it might as well have been because it was rattling in my brain. He said, water. Just one word, water. And I began to, uh, to study the whole concept of water from a chemical standpoint, from an anatomical standpoint, from, from the, the life. And, and it just changed my life to see this incredible concept, this life-giving concept 
that Jesus said he was the living water. And I began to expand my understanding of God and the mystery and the glory that he is simply because he answered my simple prayer. Show me something profound. Ask God today to show you something profound. But those type of things will happen in the context of a time and a place. Well, there are some great model prayers that I don't have time to share with you, but let me give you their, their addresses, if you will. If you want to read a great prayer, Psalm 51. That was David's prayer after he had committed adultery with Bathsheba and then killed her husband, Uriah, one of his best friends, by the way. And then David prays this prayer of repentance in Psalms 51. You want to read a great prayer of Jesus? Read John 17, where he's uh, praying for his disciples shortly before his crucifixion. You want to read Paul's prayer for you and for me? Read Ephesians chapter 3, where he says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. He says in verse 16 of Ephesians 3, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He closes out and he says, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power. That's Paul's prayer for you, for me, for all of us who follow in his footsteps. Verse 18, that you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. That's Paul's prayer for you. It's my prayer for you today. Thank you for being a part of this episode of uh, the 24-Minute Bible Podcast. Uh, Facebook me on the 24-Minute Bible Podcast. You can find me there if you want to make some suggestions or comments. Uh, love to hear from you. Thank you for, for putting up with this time. And uh, hopefully God has given you some insight and understanding in this very beautiful gift, the communication with God called prayer. Look forward to seeing you next week on the 24-Minute Bible Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the 24-Minute Bible Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and look forward to continuing this journey to understanding the Bible, please subscribe to our channel. And if you would be so kind, share it with your friends who might enjoy it. We would also love it if you would leave us a review. It really does help us. Join us next week for another episode as we work our way through the Bible book by book. Have a blessed week.